Hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The End Credits, the podcast where two brothers discuss their thoughts in a film of their choosing. I'm Dominic. I'm Jonathan. And today, we are talking about Frank Capra's Christmas classic, It's a Wonderful Life. When we were coming up with our Christmas list, I immediately knew that we were going to choose this film. It's definitely uh, one that's on the top of most people's list when it comes to Christmas movies, and we couldn't forget this one. Yeah, it's definitely a must-watch film for the month of Christmas. I'm pretty sure it's going to show on TV this time. I think it shows every time. Right. And if you have a chance, you should definitely uh, watch it for yourself. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a Wonderful Life was directed by Frank Capra with a release date of December 20th, 1946. At a runtime of 2 hours and 12 minutes in the genre as a Christmas fantasy drama. It stars James Stewart, Donna Reed, Lionel Barrymore, Thomas Mitchell, and Henry Travers. The summary for It's a Wonderful Life is the following. George Bailey has so many problems, he is thinking about ending it all, and it's Christmas. As angels discuss George, we see his life in a flashback. As George is about to jump from a bridge, he ends up rescuing his guardian angel, Clarence, who then shows George what his town would have looked like if he hadn't been for all of his good deeds over the years. I feel like there's a little bit more to it because we also have the relationships as well. And I I guess it did touch on it because they mentioned that, oh, if it hadn't been for him, then things would be different in the world and whatnot. And yeah, so we definitely see that. Uh, I actually thought it was interesting that we do get to cycle through his life. And I think it does a good job of being able to um, go in one moment of his life, get the essential details, and then we are able to skip through time. And it does it in such a way where we're really grabbing the essential pieces and not wasting too much time on he did this and then he did that. Yeah, it's a uh, it's good how they started it because you know we start with like the angels, you know, discussing like who he is. And it's through their telling that we see George's life in these stages. And it's kind of like it's also bringing the characters up to speed along with us. And it's like an interesting way to show that because, you know, eventually Clarence does meet George. Right. But we're in Clarence's point of view to see George's life stages. And, yeah, it was just a a well-rounded way to show it off. Right, because we first start out in his early stages as being a, a kid. Right, and uh, it kind of shows just how his character like evolves throughout the time. Because in the kid stage, we only see uh, like little scenes where we could attribute certain characteristics. Yeah, characteristics like uh, heroism, basically. Yeah, when it's like a kid stage. Because we start off with uh, him saving his brother uh, from the ice. Yeah. And that was like, oh, uh, he did a good deed to, because uh, he lost the hearing in his ear at that point. So he was willing to sacrifice basically himself or somebody else. So that's like a good uh, heroic quality to see out of him at a young age. And uh, it just leads uh, basically to the second uh, scenario where he's at the uh, ice cream parlor. Yeah, and... 
I really like this moment because I felt like all of the kid versions of the uh, the main characters, I, I felt like all three of them, uh, that being George, Mary, and Violet, all three of them were there. And I love how their kid versions feel a lot like the adults. Like they have certain characteristics about them that just feel like Jimmy Stewart or just feel like Donna Reed and whatnot. And I was just like, they did they did such a good job of casting the children. Right, I was going to say, uh, they actually, you know, you're right. They did feel like they're older versions of themselves, even though obviously they weren't them, right? Exactly, yeah. So uh, you're right. I didn't even think about how great the casting was or how well they acted as uh, children to, you know, give off that believability for their characters. No, you're right. Right. But anyway, we see that next little bit of uh, characteristic from George and... He sees that his boss is uh, pretty like upset about something, and he's crying and whatnot. And George discovers that uh, his boss's son has just died, and then he has to go deliver some pills. But the boss has laced some poison within the pills, and George takes note of that, and basically just does the right thing and doesn't deliver the pills. And it kind of just becomes a thing of the boss hitting George and everything and George apologizes, but then the two of them make up eventually in that moment. And, uh, it just goes to show that George cares about his, his boss and other people again, and willing to just step up to do what is right. Even when someone else is telling him to do otherwise. Right. Cause, uh, I don't think like his boss, you know, wanted to do it. Right. Cause no. he was just in the state of, uh, you know, he was, he was sad. Right. Yeah. And he messed up and, you know, uh, George knew that, you know, he was, uh, even though he was a kid, right. He understood what was happening and you he know, understood that his boss was going through grief. Right. Right. And, uh, he basically stepped up to, you know, uh, prevent anything from happening. Cause you know, that could have been uh, catastrophic. Right. If someone actually took the poison and, uh, you know, uh, George stepped up and, uh, basically they embrace at the end, right? Mm -hmm. Because they realize what happened and, you know, what, uh, what he did. And again, it's just another heroic thing to see that, oh, George, uh, he has leadership qualities basically already. Yeah. It's definitely evident and clear. I like how the film doesn't waste any time with like, we kind of, they don't, we don't continue going on this road of seeing him as a kid. We uh, skip ahead at that point um, to see him uh, much older. And now uh, Jimmy Stewart is playing the character. And uh, you could tell that he has so much life in him. He's got all these passions and these dreams because he's heading out for college. Yeah, he wanted to go to Europe first. First to Europe to travel the world and then go to college and get a degree and basically, you know, just live life to the fullest uh, for him, at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because after being cooped up in this small town, uh, he's wanting to go and make something of himself. And he's obviously excited. He's young. Ambitious. and Right. Oh, yeah. Like, just ready to take on things. But unfortunately, that doesn't happen. And that's a, a reoccurring thing that we see throughout the film, that George always wants to go someplace and just as he's about to make it he ends up staying in bedford falls yeah and, uh, for some reason in every stage of his life that we see something comes up to 
prevent him from, you know, achieving his goals, it seems. Right. And in this one, it really starts off where we have this uh, dance at his high school gym. Mm. And we see, like, the older versions of other characters, uh, his brother, and eventually Mary, who uh, who liked him. We saw at least the tease that he liked him when he was a kid. Right. But at this stage, you know, uh, they they start to like each other, right? And uh, they start dancing or whatnot. And uh, the big scene here is, you know, when the gym opens up. Right, <laughs> yeah. And uh, it causes, like... Uh, and there's a pole underneath, yeah. Right, right. It causes this, the the uh, people watching to, like, oh, uh, get out of the way or whatnot, right? Yeah. And, you know, they're, like, oblivious to this and, like, oh, we're just pretty good or whatnot. Uh-huh. And uh, it's, like, this... Moment. Yeah, it's this funny scene that just... Uh, they just go off the end of the pole and eventually just everybody dies in. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's pretty iconic, I want to say, for this film, uh, this opening scene, just to see... Uh, it's nice and lighthearted. Right. And uh, basically, they, they go off to uh, uh, walking him and Mary now, the older versions of themselves. And uh, in this uh, scene, we basically just see, you know, what their differences are, what their ambitions are. And, uh, you know, George is so ambitious at this point. You know, he wants to build everything. He wants to go see everything. He wants to do everything. And even to the point where, like, oh, I, I can uh, give the moon to Mary in this, again, famous scene where, right. you know, do you want the moon? I'll, you know, throw a lasso over it and uh, grab it down, you know? So, right. Uh, just, again, another way of just showing um, he's very much excited for this new stage of his life. And he's ready to go. And, yeah, this is definitely one of my favorite scenes from the film. And it's really sad, too, because, you know... At least if you've watched the film before, you know where it's headed and right. that, you know, all these dreams and these passions that this young man has, he's not going to fulfill them. And it's just one of those, I think it makes the moment that much more sincere and, uh, and like, just like gut wrenching because it's such a, I don't know. I like this scene is such like a young person's scene, if that makes any sense, you know? Right. Cause there's all like this this like fantasy and these dreams and uh, like you said, um, excited for this next stages of life. And then it doesn't go that way. Right. Cause like right out of the blue, you know, we hear that his father had a stroke or whatnot. And it's like the weirdest timing ever. Cause you know, uh, George is uh, off to go to Europe to travel. Mm -hmm. He was going to go to school after that. And uh, it was just weird because uh, in this previously before even the dance, we saw this uh, scene where he talks to his father about potentially taking over the family business, and it's kind of like, oh, what, what timing to even have this this uh, this happen? Where you know he has to run off because uh, his dad is uh, in poor health, and uh, you know we see later on the aftermath that he does eventually uh, he does eventually pass away, and uh, it forces George to basically give up his trip to Europe. And that was like the first knock on like, oh man, he didn't get to do that. And, and then you're his, thinking, his father's died, you know? It's like, yeah, it sucks. And then at that moment, you're thinking to yourself, okay, now, because uh, as we learn right there, now he's about to go off to college now because he gave up his Europe trip. But now he's finally going to go to college. And uh, he's meeting up with the, uh, the people who now run the board, who now runs the... Uh, business and loan buildings at which was his father's company 
and uh, basically going up against the evil and honestly, let's face it, a really good antagonist in the entire film, Mr. Potter. Right. Um, basically like the evil banker who wants to take over the uh, businesses in the towns and uh, houses, banks, uh, buildings, anything that he can get his hands on. And basically in this story, it was the Potters versus um, the Baileys. The Baileys. And now since his father's no longer around, George is the one to go up against Potter. Oh, it was like inadvertently though, you know, it was, all, right. it was entirely on accident because again, like we saw in the beginning when he was younger as a kid, he, he even stood up to Mr. Potter. So we see these, these qualities of George and being able to take a, a stand for himself. And he does so with Potter and it eventually leads the, the board to look at George and say, you know, give them a sense of, of like, I guess the sense of like opportunity to take this chance to vote down Mr. Potter and give the sense of this sense of power and that there's still some good there. Because the, the it would appear that the board was just going to get give up the business and loans building to Potter because Potter wanted to take it over, and uh, seeing George's leadership qualities, they were thinking that why don't we appoint him as a new uh, like board of directors, and obviously George didn't want to take it. Right, and this stage is like okay, uh, I lost my trip to Europe. I want to give away the family business to his uncle. And at this stage, you know, he just wanted to go now to college because, you know, that was, he had to give up one thing and now, well, he lost his dad to give up this one thing and now he has, he has to, uh, or he wanted to go off to college. And at this stage, he's, he's faced with a battle. Like, does he give up college now just for the business? Because apparently the board will give up uh, his family business if he doesn't take this opportunity and it's kind of like, oh man, uh, why doesn't my uncle take it or whatnot? And uh, he's uh, unfortunately he has to take the decision where um, he has to take the business and he has to give up college. Right? Do you ever feel like that uh, maybe George took on too much responsibility that he actually didn't need to take on to himself? Did you ever feel that way in the film? Like. Um... What what I mean is is that if you see everyone was completely okay with him going and that there was no reason to keep the building and loans uh, company going, like even the uncle said that, oh, it was okay, go and do your thing and go be you. Yeah, but it's more of a, he didn't want to be selfish because we, we saw this in his character throughout the beginning too that he was a guy who stood up for either people or helped people. And in this scenario, he knew, because this was his town, right, growing up, and he knew where it was going with Potter if Potter took over. So he felt some sort of responsibility because his dad had this responsibility before. And now, he, since he was gone, he felt like, oh, I need to step up now and uh, at least help this town, uh, you know, not go into the hands of this uh, evil businessman named Potter. So I don't think he like took too much, or you could say he was too hard on himself, but like, uh, but with like what Capra has given us in right, the film, he, it makes sense. Right. It makes sense for his character. And right. uh, ultimately it was like a, a, a good thing for him, you know, or mm -hmm. a good thing 
for everybody in that sense. Right. So now we fast forward to an older George where he didn't go to Europe. He didn't go to college. And he's kind of like, in some ways, kind of bummed out. But at least he's excited for his brother to come back from uh, college because eventually he had to give up his money and just give it to his brother to, mm-hmm. to uh, send him off to college. So there's at least a little hopeful that he's coming back to take the business, hopefully, so that George can have his his time. And, man, another, like, uh, sad moment for him because, you know, once uh, his brother comes back, we just know, you know, where this is going to lead. I know because... Oh, man, because he comes back and now we find out that uh, his brother's married and he's got, you know, he's got the wife and the wife's father is offering his brother a job. And it was just kind of like, oh, no. And immediately when George realized that, oh, the wife, uh, the father-in-law has offered him a job, he's going off to um, his brother's wife and saying, like, you know, is it a good job and whatnot? And he gets some more details on it. And it's just so sad because... You know, once he finds out that it is such a good job, he can't just make his brother stay in Bedford and take over the business. Right. It's like, ah, oh, another, another, another obstacle. Yeah. It's like so sad. Like, I know. At this point, you're like feeling it for him. It's kind of like, has anything gone right really at this, at this stage? Yeah. And then we see that, um, you know, his mother's trying to console George and cheer him up because obviously he's a little bit better. And, Tries to get him, give him a little push to go and talk to Mary once again. So now we're reintroducing Mary's character. And so he ends up going off to vi- visit Mary. Or um, actually he just goes on a walk around town. And he doesn't take his mother's advice. And he goes on a walk around town just looking for something, I guess. Just for some fun or just to be by himself. And he runs into Violet. And then he tries getting Violet to go on a, you know, like, like a, a semi-adventure, basically. Yeah, like a small date in a way. And she obviously doesn't take, um, she doesn't take any interest in this, and kind of embarrasses George in front of a group of people. And again, George becomes even more bitter. And we have to remember that, like in the state, he hasn't been able to do anything but stay in his hometown. Right. So just, we have to understand his frustration. Yeah, just with again the loss of his dad, the loss of Europe, the loss of college, you know, these these are like, you know, big things that meant something to him and all three of them just going away is kind of sad for him. Yeah, and so then he finally ends up just he ends up at Mary's house and yeah, this is another part where Mary is obviously really happy to see him. Um and George isn't very happy to be there. And just trying to invite him in is like an absolute train wreck. Yeah, I was like, I always felt like uh, uncomfortable by like how rude he was. Because obviously, you know, he just he's just uh, in a sad, like mad state, right? Right. And uh, it's just kind of like unfortunate just to see how the reactions go like uh, to start with. Because, you know, it's like obviously he doesn't want to be there or like uh, he, or he's obviously mad, right? And and she just wants to cheer him up, and it's kind of like, uh, oh, you know, they're they're kind of awkward with each other. They're not they're not that uh, state that they were four years ago, mm-hmm. and just kind of sad just to see uh, just that drift right here. Yeah, I thought what brought a little bit of comedy and lightheartedness was when the mom 
of Mary is just all like, oh, what's George Bailey doing here? Just trying to get oh, him yeah. out of the, <laughs> the house. And it was such a funny scene. And she's not very fond of George. And George is very fond of her mom. And it was just a really nice way to kind of like break the ice and yeah. make it a little less awkward. That's true. Um, and I really, I really like the fact that we had the makeup moment at the very end when uh, they get the call from Sam, but then they, you know, they kind of just let it be and they, they end up apologizing to each other. And that was just a really good moment that uh, we really needed to have, especially with the fact that, um, you know, George was so rude and they were beginning to be a little bit, be rude to each other. And the fact that they were uh, making up at the end just brought all the difference. Did you like the callback to their uh, four-year encounter with like the lasso? And the moon? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I will always love that scene and love the fact that um, she was trying to make it remember that because that was when they were happy, you know, and that's when right. they had a lot of um, ambitions and dreams and they were younger. Um, I liked it, yeah. It was really nice. It was sweet, and he did, He totally didn't take notice right. of it, and I was like, God, George, my God. Um, so then we skip a little more ahead, and now they're married. Um, and again, we run into the same issue. If they're married. They're going to go on their honeymoon. They're driving out of town. Right. He wanted to go to New York. He had like this, uh, a lot of cash in hand and everything. They're, they're ready to have the, the time of their lives. Yeah. $2,000. Uh, that was a lot of money back then. Yeah. Then, uh, this is where the depression era comes in and, uh, man, it's just, it's terrible. Man, it just sucks because they were just getting ready to leave and then, yeah, the depression hits. All the money is gone from their bank and everything, and uh, people are freaking out. George takes notice of this, and he, in the true George Bailey style, he goes to see what's wrong and tries to help people and understand the problem and help others in their problem. And uh, basically kind of forgets about the honeymoon and tries to help everyone pay their, uh, or give people their money in order for them to, you know, sustain their lives. Yeah, and uh, unfortunately, with this uh, helping everybody out, he had to sacrifice his honeymoon and leaving uh, the town. And by the end of the day, you know, all that's left is two dollars. And so he he does save everybody's lives, but again, to sacrificing his own. And it's again another sad moment. It's like, oh man, again he didn't get a go. Mm-hmm. But and then we have this like uh, redeeming portion. Where like uh, it's another like sweet moment. It's like oh man, you can't have a, like feel a little sad, but a little like happy in the sense that they're at least content. Where we see George, you know, go off to like oh find Mary, and he's basically led into the uh, the house where again they had that moment with uh, uh, wishes and the lasso. Yeah, from uh, after the dance, and. Uh, there he's led to this house and it's all just raining and everything just nothing looks right this house is all teared down and everything like that but uh you know mary's all happy and uh you know cooks a dinner of some sort and uh this is their honeymoon or whatnot and it's again just another uh sad moment but you're at least happy that they're they're content with what they have at the moment right and this is a good example from the film of the fact that uh, George is so close with everyone in the town. And I always really enjoyed watching that on screen 
that every character was close with George Bailey and everyone knew George Bailey, uh, like the cop, the taxi driver, um, all those people. And they're time and time again, they're always there for him. And that's a good thing to be aware of. And they established that so early on in the film. Right. Cause in this scene, they're like singing outside and helping basically, uh, make this moment as, uh, you know, as, best they can yeah the best best they can and uh no they 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 try and you know it's uh again just a good uh sweet moment yeah yeah then we end up wow where do we end up after that uh oh right and we end up uh skipping a further in time i believe and now we're at the point where george has like his own uh Park development. Yeah. In development. It's like a house division of some sort. Right. And basically giving the people of the town a chance to have a good house to live in. And whereas Potter is not doing the same thing. But the good thing to note here is that George is actually doing some good in the town with bringing these homes to people. Yeah. And at this stage, you know, uh, he still has the fight with Potter and uh potter's still a bitter evil guy yeah and uh at this at this point like potter is getting like mad and like uh you know what can i do to like uh get rid of george bailey or you know something because he's basically uh they're having this fight and george is winning so he's thinking uh, he's just plotting potter's plotting like you know what can i do to uh change the you know the tide of battle Mm mm-hmm and uh, eventually he comes to the conclusion of like inviting George to like okay maybe you can work for me for a change and I'll give you what you wanted you know uh business trips out to New York and money a, yeah good life and all that stuff like security and adventure and you know basically to help fulfill those portions of George cuz Potter knows that that's what George has been wanting and uh in some ways, you're kind of like, okay, is this the way out? You know, could George take this opportunity to like have some sort of uh, happiness? Since again, he lost his dad, he lost Europe, he lost his college, he lost a good honeymoon. Yeah. So it's like, uh, is this that moment? And I honestly, I and they even kind of uh, tease you with this. It's almost like George Bailey almost took that offer, right? And I remember a long time ago thinking when I first watched this film that he was going to take it, I was like, no, he can't do this. And, uh, I'm, you know, I'm glad that he didn't take it because it was not the, it wasn't the right path. But the fact that Potter made it seem and sound so good, because like you said, are, these are all the things that George didn't get a chance to have. I do wonder, I, I've always kind of been confused with this, uh, scene really. Cause like, what would have been the bad portions of it? Like, he would have still been able to keep his company, right? Well, th- I think the thing is, is that Potter says that, but will he keep that promise? And knowing who, knowing the kind of character that Potter is, he wouldn't have. He wouldn't have let him keep it. Was it the fact that it was just Potter? Like, like I don't think there was any scenario where George is losing his anything, right? Well, that's what Potter wants him to believe. I don't think that that was the case. I think it, in my mind, I thought that if George Bailey works for Potter, that means that he's essentially representing Potter. And then at some point, 
maybe when George is away, Potter's going to change everything. I think it was just a way to get him out of there, get him forgetting about that whole business. Because if George were to leave and experience all these other things, he never would have came back. Oh, Let's okay. face it. And yeah, I think sure. that was Potter's intention. Sure. That makes sense now. Right. So I think that, um, you know, it, it all sounds good, of course. But in the end, it was just another one of Potter's schemes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I definitely see, understand it now. Because, yeah, I was always confused. Like, okay, he can actually take this. Oh, it doesn't seem too bad. But now I'm just saying, yeah, he probably wouldn't have come back at that stage. And uh, yeah, never looked back at the town. So, right. yeah. Well, he he took the cigar. That's, that's yeah, one thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just like George Bailey, he did, you know, uh, see, you know, what the whole plot was and he basically denied him outright and uh again continues their feud uh throughout uh the movie or whatnot yeah and george continuing to show those examples of who his character is he's very consistent you know he stands up for what he believes in he doesn't go against the people he helps others he's a leader and we continue to see that at this moment in time um so then we fast forward some more, and at this point he has children. Man, he's got like four, I think. And uh, now we're finally in that Christmas time of the story. George is continuing to help people. Both him and Mary are older. And they are, of course, like, you know, they're struggling with the business a little bit. And... um trying to you know pay things back and whatnot and then it gets to the real like kicker of the story or that real obstacle that uh it almost feels like george won't be able to get out of and that's when uncle billy needs to go and um uh deposit the eight thousand dollars and he ends up losing it yeah it's kind of like uh I know the scenarios were like oh man how did this happen because i know <laughs> uh, when we see this happen you know he he argues with Potter, who's at the bank or whatnot, and uh, uh, he basically gives him the money without like really knowing, right? And it's kind of like the sad moment. It's like, oh, how did you? He was trying to uh, say that, oh, like Potter's done or whatnot, basically uh, mocking him in that way, right? And he ends up, uh, uncle, uh, the uncle of George, he ends up uh, losing the money, and uh, he's like tries to retrace his steps like oh where is it where is it and the audience and, and uh mr potter both know where the money went it's kind of like oh man is he gonna leave uh is potter that bad to not give him back the money or whatnot and uh, obviously you know he is that bad and uh it's just a terrible moment for the audience because we know where it's at but they don't know where it's at and they're just all struggling like what can we do to find this money again or you know Right, because Uncle Billy accidentally left it within um, Mr. Potter's newspaper, and then Mr. Potter finds it and just keeps it for himself. And man, that's the worst part, because you're just like, Uncle Billy and George are scrambling to find this $8,000 because they need this money. And, you know, without it, it means bankruptcy, it means jail time, and obviously George has made it clear that he didn't want that. And that was a scary moment. This is probably the first time when we were really seeing George come out of that, uh, like all of that, ang that anger and that, uh, uh, that sadness, the things that left him upset are finally coming out and he's taking it out on his family 
and the people around him. And that's a really sad moment because that's that moment where we just see this guy who's had disappointment after disappointment and he's finally had enough of it. Yeah, it's just definitely it's definitely a sad moment to see uh, him basically fall apart and uh, uh, in front of his family and then eventually, you know, even like you said, to other people with the teacher. That was kind of a funny moment, you know, oh, him, right. uh, telling the teacher off because his uh, kid was sick. But in other moments, you know, it was like uh, he didn't need to go that far right. or not. And this eventually leads to uh, him having to leave his house because, you know, he's made a, a mess, basically. Right. Goes off to the bar, starts trouble there. Yeah, gets punched in the face. Yeah. <laughs> now... Uh, we're at the bridge where basically, I guess this is the turning point of the movie because this is mm-hmm. where, this is the lead up to where, because we started with the angels and now this is where the angels will come into play. And uh, this is where George has to think, you know, everything's been bad so far. And, you know, he might consider jumping over uh, the bridge. Right. And uh, Clarence comes down and, sees that he's going to do that and jumps in the bridge instead and uh, are off the bridge instead. And uh, this prompts George to go in to save him, which he does. Right. And I actually want to stop here for a moment because I think it's just such a powerful moment that, you know, he's considering that. And then you're thinking in in terms of the film that he's George Bailey. He's done all these things for people. And how could he do this? And that's, What's great that when Clarence comes in and basically teaches him how things would be without him. And that was such a good thing to do. In the same way, though, you kind of understand what led George to this moment because of all the the stuff he had to go through, you know, losing his dad again, losing his dad, Mm -hmm. losing Europe, losing school, uh, almost... Losing the family business. Losing the honeymoon. Losing the honeymoon, you know, like... Losing the $8,000 now. Yeah, and uh, that just, you know, destroyed him. So you you understood why he was going through all of this. Right. And uh, why he, he thought, you know, this was the best course of action. But ultimately, you know, that's where Clarence comes in to, like, uh, remind him that uh, maybe it wasn't so bad. And this is like the teaching moment that uh, that George gets as we see uh, a world where he doesn't exist. Yeah, so it's our uh, Christmas Carol moment, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it basically is. Basically is. Yeah. So yeah, at this point we see that world without George Bailey, and it's funny to see that George isn't quite believing the entire um, this entire moment of like what he's seen um he doesn't believe that clarence is an angel you know and he doesn't believe that oh he doesn't even take note that the world has changed for a brief moment of time you know because who would yeah exactly and he ends up going back to what's supposed to be martini's place but now it's nick's place uh the bar and he goes back over there and he sees that you know Nick doesn't recognize him or knows him, and he's a lot more mean. Uh, other characters, like his old previous boss, comes into that um, comes into that bar and gets humiliated. 
and he's pretty broken down and George realizes this and he's like, oh, what are you doing? Why are you doing that to him? And then you find out that at the very beginning of the film when the boss was going to put the poison in those pills, he ended up going through it with it uh, without George being there and, you know, basically became a criminal, you know, just more things to add to the fire. His car is not there by that tree that he ran into previously. Um Potter basically took over the town right. and changed it and from this like I guess family friendly environment to like more adult oriented mm-hmm. style and uh, obviously we learned that his brother died from the uh from the ice uh what were they it was ice sledding I guess I right know. yeah like all those years ago when yeah he was young I want to say I want to stop here and say that this is uh obviously like this from today's standpoint, right? Because I've seen other movies, right? Mm. Obviously, um, Back to the Future Part Two mm. was influenced by this moment in It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah, it's clear as day. Because even I want to say, like, people stand in the same place. I want to say because, like, especially in, like we saw the 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 town, right? Right. That was an obvious reference. Or. Back to the Future Part Two referenced this moment, right? And even like the Tombstone moment, they're like, I feel like they're in the same position and they kind of went in the same sort of scenario. We right? just need a clock tower now, <laughs> right? It's like it's it's kind of weird to say that. Oh, um, you could see a clear influences in these movies, and uh, yeah, if you haven't watched It's a Wonderful Life and you only watch like the Back to the Future series, you might think it's like, wait, 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 where am I this, seeing this? Yeah, before? this seems familiar, you know. Yeah. I, uh, even as we were watching, I was thinking to myself, man, this is always giving me back to the future part two vibes. Yeah. Even though it should be, you know, the reverse right way, but yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a cool thing that we can see these influences and how they've, um, managed to create other great scenes in film, uh, like in back to the future part two. Uh, so yeah, he ends up seeing all of these images and these things. He even goes to his, uh, his mother's house at one point and like the mother doesn't even recognize him, which is like pretty awful feeling for him and, uh, learns that uncle Billy's in an insane asylum. And then it gets to the point where he's like, well, where's, uh, where's Mary? And he goes to Clarence and he's like begging him to like to let him know where Mary is. And, uh, she ended up never marrying. She's just a librarian, I think. And he freaks her out, which is like a terrible scene. (laughs) Uh, he even goes back to the, he even goes back to the house and where he's supposed to live and it's all run down still. Like no one ever lived in that, that crummy old house that he once described as. And it's all so sad. It all kind of just boils up to the idea of life sucks without George Bailey. Yeah. It's like, uh, all this, what he've known for, you know, this all long time, just, it's not there and he just gets like he just crumbles basically it's like oh it's too different it's too it's not it's not anything like his life was and you know at this point he's basically uh begging clarence to like bring him back it's like take me back to you know where i was and uh because he can't stand this world that you know just changed uh with his presence not there this is probably one of my favorite scenes of the film. Apart from that, uh, the lasso scene with the moon. Ah, uh, man, this is such a good part. A really great moment when he's just begging to come back to life. And his head is buried in his hands. And then uh, 
just telling Clarence to let him back in. And then it begins to snow and whatnot. I don't know. It's such a powerful moment. And especially like when we're left in the silence of when uh, Bert the cop comes and it just ends up being really silent as he pulls into the snow, like onto the bridge. And I love that moment because it's that moment of change and it's all just so quiet. And I've always loved this moment because it's just George, Bert, and the snow and just like the two of them alone is just like asking if you're okay. And what's great is, is that at this point, George is okay. It's a cool moment to see because, you know, in the previous scene, we see, uh, him go after George in the cop car. Mm-hmm. And, you know, once George returns to the bridge and starts, you know, uh, begging for Clarence to bring him back, we don't know if he actually succeeds really uh, besides, like, the, the snow falling down. Yeah. And when the cop comes, there's, like, this chance where you can say, oh, he's going to arrest him or whatnot. But then he comes out and, you know, he recognizes him. And this is like, oh, yeah, that's the confirmation that... uh He's back or whatnot. Yeah, he's back in the world that he knows. And, oh, man, it was so great to see that, like, his uh, spirits were lifted and that George felt like he recognized all the things he has and who he is and what he can still do. Right, because at that stage, he was like, he hated this town. He just wanted to leave it. Mm -hmm. But now once he saw it again, the way, you know, he uh, saw it, you know, before... He was like, oh, man, everything's so great. You know, I was like, he was saying Merry Christmas to everybody. He was saying like, oh, I love, you know, this, that, you know, maybe stuff he hated before. But, oh, no, no, it's all good now, you know. When he goes and sees his car, like, still crashed along the side yeah. of the tree. That was hilarious. He's like, oh, this is creepy. Like, yay. Yeah. That was a great moment. Uh, Yeah, this is, this is definitely like a complete 360 from... When, you know, he was at his house and he was kicking and throwing things. And then now he's coming back and he's all uh, joyful. And even as the uh, the bankers have uh, come to arrest him. Right. He's like, oh, just arrest me or whatnot. It's yeah. Okay. He was he's, totally okay with he's it. He's totally joyful. He's like, as long as everything's back to the way it was. He's like, I don't care. Yeah. Even that, uh, that broken, uh, like, that broken armrest on the... Uh, the railing of the staircase. Oh, yeah. He, like, he was even okay with this now. And those little things that used to really get to him and bother him, he was starting to love or learn to love again. And, yeah, this is that moment where spirits are back and we're definitely feeling that uh, the joy from the moment, but we're not... We don't really see it until... Mary comes back, and then all of a sudden, like, a swarm of people, like, fill George Bailey's house. Yeah. And he, even as we were watching this, I was mentioning how, like, uh, man, there was so much going on in this scene. Uh, like, basically everyone from the town, uh, after Mary had given some calls, uh, they found out about George's um, uh, situation and has come to help him. And essentially pay that at $8,000 back. Probably even more. Yeah. <laughs> there were so many more. people that was like, oh, you helped me. I'm helping George right now. You in his time of need. And yeah. Everyone from like the town, even uh, Sam, uh, George's friend, had like wired him like $25,000 or something and then some. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, George's brother has come back and yeah. yeah. Even, oh the, even the bank uh, uh, audits. 
who were came, came in to arrest him or whatnot, they even uh, started to donate money and just rip off the right you know, uh, paper to arrest him or whatnot. That was kind of funny too to see that everybody uh, in the house that was crowded, you know, basically pitched in to help George and just help remind him that uh, you know he did some good deeds for people and uh, that his life wasn't so bad after all. This is a really another iconic and great scene too. Obviously, like when the moment when everyone comes back, but it's really that special moment when uh, the uh, the daughter says that every time and bell rings, the angel gets swings. Very iconic scene. Yeah. Everyone knows it. Everyone knows it. Uh, honestly, my favorite part about that scene is not the bells ringing and the girl saying that. My favorite part is when George looks at the book. Oh, that, Tom, the Tom Sawyer book? Right, that belonged to Clarence. And the the message that was written in there, uh, I always thought that was the most powerful moment when he says that, uh, like, remember that no man is a failure when he has friends. And that was such a good moment. And I'm getting chills saying it now because, like, <laughs> in context, it feels so good right. to read that. And that's, like, for it for anybody. But in the moment where, where George has gone through all these things that he's lost— uh, time and time again, and then all these people coming to help him because he helped them all those other times ago. And it all just wraps up really neatly, in my opinion. And it makes such for such a special moment, and it's a great way to send off the film. Yeah, definitely. I agree. It's powerful, and uh, you couldn't end it uh, any other way, basically. Yeah, and... In a lot of ways, it almost feels like you forget about the rest of the film. And you're like, yeah, this is a Christmas film, you know, because <laughs> yeah. overall in the yeah, end, the, the Christmas miracle happened. Yeah, exactly. So in the end, is it truly a Christmas film? Because in that moment, I forget about everything else. And I'm like, yeah, this is a Christmas movie. Right. Yeah. Overall, it was a really great film. And for us, we watch it every Christmas or at least try to. And if you haven't seen it. Where have you been? <laughs> uh, yeah, like, uh, oh, yeah, overall, like you said, it's, it's a really good film. Uh, there was, like, uh, some pieces, like, for, like, editing-wise, you could see oh, uh, yeah. some uh, cuts just be some, like, a little bit jarring. But, again, it's, it's you got to give a little slack because it's, it's an older film. You know, they didn't have the technology we had to, like, fix these errors easily. Mm-hmm. So, like, uh, but, like, as a cohesive unit, it's it's a wonderful Christmas film. Yeah, it's a wonderful life, right? Yeah. It definitely <laughs> I is. I did not even mean to say that when I said it. You, know? <laughs> you walked right into it. And there we have it. Frank Capra's Christmas classic, It's a Wonderful Life. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode. And we'll see you on the next one. Happy holidays, everyone. Thank you for listening to this episode of The End Credits. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The End Credits Podcast and over on Twitter at The End Credits. If you're watching the video version, make sure to subscribe to The End Credits YouTube channel. That's it. Thank you, and goodbye. That's a Christmas present from a very dear friend of mine. Look, Daddy, teacher says every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. That's right. That's right. And a boy, Clarence. Oh, my God.